by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We have our own Mr. Nicholas Mitchell preaching today. Give him a round of applause. Buenos dias. Iglesia Passion Church. Mi nombre is Nicholas Mitchell. Y estoy muy emocionado de estar aquí. Esta mañana adorando a Dios con ustedes. Estoy agradecido de que a pesar de todo lo que está pasando en el mundo en nuestros vidas personales, Dios tiene el control. Esta mañana vamos a ir en un viaje junto con días para aprender de dónde somos y cómo confrontarnos durante este corto tiempo en la tierra. Uno, no somos de este mundo. Dos, no hables como el mundo. Tres, habla el mundo. Cuatro, no actúes como del mundo. Cinco, relacionate con el mundo sin picar. Seis, no te retires de los picadores. Siete, retirate del picado. How many of you guys understood what I just said? One, two, three, five. About seven people raising their hands. How many people we got in here? And seven people understood what I'm just saying. I know one person understood what I was just saying because my friend Moses, he wrote that for me so I didn't mess up all the Spanish words. So why couldn't you guys understand what I was saying? Right. I wasn't speaking in a language that you were fluent in, right? I mean, you were getting worked up. You know, I said, Dios, you know I was talking about God, but you didn't know much of what I was saying. So let me translate real quick. Good morning, Passion Church. My name is Nicholas Mitchell, and I'm very excited to be worshiping God here with you this morning. I'm thankful that despite whatever has been happening in our world and in our personal lives this week, God is in control. This morning, we're going on a journey together with God to learn where, where we are from, and how to behave during our short time on earth. I'm going to cover seven different things. The first thing I'm going to cover is we are not from here. We're from heaven. Number two, don't talk like the world. Number three, talk to the world. Number four, don't act like the world. Number five, relate to the world without sinning. Number six, don't remove yourself from sinners. And number seven, remove yourself from sin. Let's pray, church. Lord, I thank you that you are in control of all things. I thank you, Father God, that you are in control of our lives right now and whatever may be happening in this place. I just pray for peace and for comfort over the body of Christ right now, over every individual in this place, Lord. I know that the enemy tries to attack us when we're tired, we're too tired to put on our armor and hold up our sword and shield. So I pray that right now, Lord, we'll just be encouraged 
that we can live and do all things in your strength and through the abilities and the spirit that you have placed inside of us, God, and that we will be able to resist the devil and he will flee from us. We won't get so tired and so weary of doing the right things and living for you that we would allow ourselves to be open to attacks, but that even when we're tired, Lord, we would stay firm where you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how many of you guys know you're not from earth? You're not from here, right? You're from heaven. It says in the word that God knew you before you were even knit together in your mother's womb. So where does that mean he knew you? Probably heaven, right? He knew you before. We're spirits. We're just here in these temporary bodies, these temporary residences that God has put us in. So the very first thing I want to talk about is we are not from earth. We are from heaven. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31. It says, those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. See, everybody else, they're caught up in the rat race. They're worried about what they have, where they're going, what's going to happen. We know it's temporary. We don't need to be concerned about that stuff. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of y'all got your treasure in heaven? How many of y'all have your eyes on Jesus and what he's doing in your life and not worried about what's happening right here in the physical realm? Amen? Let's look to John chapter 14, verses 30 and 31. It says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. So, in the world right now, Satan is the ruler of the world. Why is Satan the ruler of the world? Number one, well, God allowed it to happen. God is still in charge. God is still in control. He's over everything. But why would God let Satan be the ruler of the world? Because he created you and me, and he gave us free will. And we chose to do sinful things. We chose not to live for God 100% of our life. So that is why we allowed evil to enter into the world. And we asked Satan to be in control because we didn't want to do things God's way. So Jesus is still in control. Jesus still holds the keys to life and death. Jesus still has the victory and we have the victory through him. But on earth, Satan is the ruler of earth. So we're in Horn Lake, Mississippi. The majority of the population speaks what? English, English, contrary to me beginning the service in Spanish, right? So if I walk in here and I start speaking in Spanish, not very many of you understand what's going on. See, we have to learn that even though we're from heaven and we have our mind on heavenly things, we have to learn how to communicate with the people around us, okay? There was a man and he, he wanted to strike it big in Hollywood. He wanted to go out, be with the movie stars and get famous. So he goes out there and all the people in California, they surf, right? Well, this guy didn't know how to surf. He's like, I'm not from here. I'm not from Hollywood. So he didn't understand why all these people were surfing. And that was like their business office to go out there and hang out with them in the ocean. But he didn't know how to do it because he wasn't from there. So see, if we want to be effective in the environment that God's placed us in, we have to be able to relate to the world. So if you're going to try to reach a surfer, if you want to hang out with surfers and talk to them, guess what you got to learn how to do? You got to learn how to surf. So first step, we are not from earth. We are from heaven. 
Step two, don't talk like the world. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Don't talk like the world. It says in 1 John 4, 5, those people belong to this world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Have any of you guys ever tried to talk to maybe a family member or somebody about Jesus, and they looked at you like you were speaking Spanish? They had no idea what you're saying. See, the truth is only revealed to those that actually seek it out. But we can still do our part as believers and find a way to speak to them in a way that they are going to understand. I was in some very deep conversations this week with a group of non-believers, and we were talking about everything from morals to politics to religion to single-family households to traditional households, all these different areas. And, you know, I was, I was taking it very slowly. I wasn't just coming out and preaching scriptures at them. I was talking to them in a way that they could understand. And by the end of the conversation, I got around to talking to them about the absolute truth that God gives us about his love. So you have to learn to talk to a people in a way that they're going to understand it in a way that they are going to receive it. See, we're not from the world, so we shouldn't be talking like the people of the world. They're talking foul mouth. They're talking negatively, talking about all these things that we don't concern ourselves with anymore. We need to talk the way that God's given us to talk. We need to speak life. We need to talk in love. We need to speak truth. So we need to talk to the world, not talk like the world. So step three is talk to the world, but don't act like the world. We can be around them and talk to them without acting like them. Let's read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. Paul says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. 23. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So what is, you said, hold on, hold on, Nick. You just told us, don't act like the world. But Paul is saying he tries to act like the other people, all right? Well, it's in context of not breaking God's laws and not breaking God's commands. See, Paul is trying to reach people with the gospel. And if you're living in sin and you're participating in someone else's sin to reach them with the gospel, you're tarnishing Jesus's message because Jesus's message is perfect. Jesus's love and Jesus's life is perfect. So can you learn how to surf if you, God told you to go reach some surfers? Yes. But if they're out there shooting up uh, something uh, on the surfboard, should you be shooting up something with them on the surfboard? No, you shouldn't be doing that. OK, so. It's very important that we don't succumb to sin. We can speak to them in a way that they understand. I can understand the reason why they're drinking or why they're doing drugs or why they're beating their wife without me ever even beating somebody. Because I understand the stresses of the human world and the human condition that we're in. I understand the problems and the hurt and the pain that they're going through. You can understand 
them and relate to them without ever participating in what they do. Why do people drink? People drink because they can't handle reality. They're looking for an escape. We can understand that. Don't we all want an escape? Don't we all look forward to that beautiful day where we get to spend an eternity in our Savior's presence? So we can understand their condition and we can love them and talk to them without participating in it. So step three is talk to the world. Step four is don't act like the world. It says in Romans 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We are supposed to be set apart. People are supposed to be able to see you and know that you are a Christian. They're supposed to be able to see you and know that you're not from the world. If you go over to the East Coast and you meet somebody from New York, you're going to tell that they don't talk like that person from Mississippi. People should know where you're from. They should know that you are not from this world. You are from heaven. And it's time to start looking like it. It's time to start acting like it. And it's time to start walking in it. Go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. First John 2.16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. So what does the world offers us? The world offers us every form of evil, everything that we're not supposed to participate at, in as citizens of heaven. Verse 17 And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So the things that they're seeking are useless. They're only temporary. Are you still seeking those things? Do you still spend your days chasing after the achievements of this world? Or are you looking for an achievement that's eternal? And maybe you're doing good things. You're even bringing people to church, serving in the church. But are you doing it to build up your own life and make your own self successful? Or are you doing it to enhance the kingdom of God? Don't act like the world. But we can, however, relate to the world without sinning. That's step five. Relate to the world without sinning. In Acts chapter 10... Verse 28. Peter told them. So what happens is God speaks to Peter in a vision and he says, these guys are about to show up at your house. Go with them. He don't tell Peter why. He doesn't say anything. He just says, these guys are going to show up at your house. Go with them. He tells Peter this in a time of prayer. So Peter goes with them and goes to the house of a man named Cornelius. And when he's there, Peter talks to them. Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So in their Jewish laws, Jews are not supposed to go into the homes of a Gentile. Make sense? Different races. All right. 
So this race is not supposed to go into the home of another race. But God spoke to Peter and he said, no longer look at anybody as impure or unclean. So why am I telling you this? There's a misteaching abroad in the church that says once you're saved, you're not supposed to spend time around sinners. If you don't spend time around sinners, how is anyone going to get saved? We're going to look at an example here in a minute about Jesus spending time with sinners. If our Lord and Savior did it, And he commanded Peter, he spoke to Peter and said, don't consider anyone impure or unclean. Then who are we to say otherwise? See, see, people try to uh, misquote scripture and misuse scripture and say that, oh, you're not even supposed to eat at the table of the unwicked and, and you're not supposed of the wicked. You're not even supposed to be unequally yoked and all these things. Well, these are for huge long-term life-changing decisions, okay? You don't want to enter into long-term agreements with non-believers that are going to be very life-altering and have a huge impact on your life. But you are supposed to be around sinners because that's the only way that they're ever going to get to know Jesus. How is anyone going to hear the good news unless someone comes and tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them without being sent? Well, I'm sending you right now. I'm telling you right now that God has commanded us to be around sinners, to be around the wicked, not to consider anyone impure or unclean because ain't nobody in here perfect. I've made mistakes this morning, okay? I've done stuff wrong. But God still allows us to be around each other even though we make mistakes. So don't throw people out just because they're not where you think they should be yet because you weren't either. God had a whole lot of patience for you. He still has a whole lot of patience with you. He had a whole lot of forgiveness with you. And if we can't forgive them, God's not going to forgive us. So it's very important that we surround ourselves with strong believers to encourage each other and to strengthen each other. But then we also have to expand that circle. So I'm not talking about your best friend. I'm not talking about people you're living with or stuff like that, but not your inner circle. But you need to spend time around unbelievers. So that's step five. Relate to the world without sinning. Step six, don't remove yourself from sinners. Remove yourself from sin. Everybody turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. As you're turning to Luke 19, 1 through 10, I just want to share with you, whatever God has for you is better for you than what the world has for you. Whatever God has for you is better for you than what the world has for you. Everybody knows the story about Daniel, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, right? All right, so they're living there. King Nebuchadnezzar has called up the strong, healthy, good-looking young men to serve in the king's palace. Well, their, their, um, their diet is meat and wine. And Daniel's found favor and gotten close with one of the people in charge there. And he tells the man, he said, please, just let us eat fruits and vegetables and drink water. And the man says, I can't do that because then I'm going to get in trouble with the king if you guys end up being weaker than all the other young men that are here on tryouts to try and get this job in the palace. I can't let you do it. So Daniel said, please, just test us in it. Give me and my three friends, give us fruit, vegetable, and water And we're going to drink it. And if we're not stronger than the other boys, then, you know, we failed the test and we'll we'll eat the meat and drink the wine. 
So for the next 10 days, Daniel, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, they're drinking water, they're eating vegetables, and they're eating fruits. And they're actually stronger and healthier than the other young men. See, see the ruler that was over them, he thought, no, you guys are going to get weak and your skin's going to turn pale. But Daniel said, Daniel knew what God commanded him, what God had for him was actually going to be better. All right? Everyone else was eating meat and drinking wine. But Daniel, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, they were eating and drinking what God had given them, and it made them stronger. So don't allow yourself to think, oh, well, meat, man, everybody, meat's what tastes the best, wine's what tastes the best. I'm going to do that. That's what everybody else is eating and drinking. No, what God has for you is actually better. It might not look like, you know, little, little sprouts of cauliflower and celery may not look as appetizing as a big old prime rib. But if God gives it to you, whatever God shows you is going to turn out better and make you stronger in the long run than what the world is offering you. So it's very important that we be obedient. All right, is everybody in Luke chapter 19 now? In Luke chapter 19, we're going to read the first 10 verses together. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let's reread verses 6 and 7. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. See, God does not command us to remove ourselves from sinners. Jesus went to be the guest in the home of a sinner. In fact, when all those religious people accused Jesus and they called him friend of sinners, that was a true accusation. They were right. Jesus is a friend of sinners. So am I. I was hanging out with some sinners last night. It was awesome. All right? Jesus is a friend of sinners. He ate a meal in a sinner's house. All those people, the biggest pastor in that town, he could have went and ate with them. He could have been his guest and could have showed him how to have a better ministry. But Jesus chose to go eat with a sinner. Don't remove yourself from sinners. Remove yourself from sin. It's also important that we talk to people in their environment where they're comfortable. So we have to talk to them in a way they understand. We can't walk up to English speakers and start preaching in Spanish. You can't do what I did. I already made that mistake this morning, right? But we also have to talk to them somewhere where they're comfortable, all right? 
You ever wonder why maybe they ain't come to church with you and you've been inviting them to church? Well, do you want to walk into a room of a whole bunch of strangers and not know what's going to happen and be in a socially awkward situation? Maybe you could bring the gospel to them right where they are. At your home or their home or at work or wherever you know these people, wherever you hang out with your friends. They're not going to come to church. Take the church to them. Bring the message to them in a way that they can understand it in a place where they're comfortable. See, Jesus didn't stand there and say, Zacchaeus, now you know you're a sinner. You've been stealing from me. You've been stealing from my people. You've been doing all this bad stuff. You need to repent and change your ways around. Jesus didn't do that in front of everybody. Jesus went to his home with him, and then Zacchaeus opened up to him. Something about being on your own turf, it just makes you willing to be vulnerable. If I were to call somebody up here right now and, and, and just start grilling them, asking why they're acting, it would, it would turn out terrible. They'd probably just walk out. But if I called them up after church today and just talked to them, they'd be like, they'd probably admit it to me. They'd say, you know what, I could be doing a better job doing something. All right? So talk to people in their environment. Don't put people on the spot. Don't make it awkward. Don't be weird. Just talk to them the way that we're talking right now. Don't use all these big Christian words because it's going to sound like you're speaking Spanish. Now let's reread verses 8 through 10, the end right there. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true Son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So Zacchaeus knew what he was doing wrong. He already knew what he had committed, and he chose to rectify it. He chose to make it right with Jesus. He volunteered it. He said, I know I've been doing this, but in fact, I want to change my ways. And to show you I'm going to change my ways, I'm going to go above and beyond, and I'm going to give back. Even Not only am I going to stop doing it, I'm going to give back what I've already messed up, and I'm going to give back even more. you basically saying, you can have it all, God. Not just like, oh, I did something. I've been performing this sinful act, and I, now I'm going to stop. And now I just want to, I want to follow you, Jesus. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going to go above and beyond and fix everything that I've done. I'm going to go back and give back everything that I've taken and even more so to make myself right. See, he chose to make himself right with God. Zacchaeus removed himself from sin. And that's our seventh and final step. Remove yourself from sin. Let's review. Uno, no somos de este mundo. Dos, no hablos como el mundo. Tres, habla el mundo. No, I'm just kidding. I got to speak to you in a way you can understand. One, we're not from here. Two, don't talk like the world. Three, talk to the world. Four, don't act like the world. Five, relate to the world without sinning. Six, don't remove yourself from sinners. Seven, remove yourself from from sin. So we're going to have a moment of prayer now. 
If there's anyone in here saying, I haven't removed myself from sin. I want Jesus to come and say, this home is blessed. I want my home to be blessed with Jesus' presence. And I want to stop doing the things that I used to do. If there's anyone in here that's saying this, that they've never asked Jesus into their home. They've never removed themselves from sin. I just ask you to have the boldness in front of everybody to stand up right now and we'll pray with you. Jesus, I thank you for the boldness of your children that chose to stand up today in front of you and in front of everybody and say, God, I choose to remove myself from sin. And I thank you that right now, Lord, they would feel your loving arms. They would feel your voice saying to them, I've blessed this house today. Because they are choosing to step out of it, Father God. And I thank you that every person, even sitting down or standing up, no matter what their posture is in here right now, Lord, that their heart's posture would be to live with you and for you completely, Father God, and to no longer live for ourselves. I thank you, Lord, that you comfort us. You don't kick us when we're down, Lord, that you build us up and that you strengthen us. So I thank you that these, these young men and young women that chose to stand up today, Lord God, that they will be encouraged. They would know that they're following you and that they are walking on the right path and that you love them and that you have amazing and great and beautiful and wonderful things for them, Father God. I thank you that for them and for everybody else sitting here, that we would just have the strength, new strength every day to do the things that you've given us to do, that we would resist the devil and that he would flee from us, Lord. And that instead we would draw closer to you because we know that when we draw closer to you, Lord, you draw closer to us. I thank you for blessing these people. I thank you for encouraging these people and letting them know, Lord, that they're your children, that you love them, and that you are proud of them. If there's anybody else in here that said, yeah, I've removed myself from sin. I've asked Jesus to come into my home. I think Jesus is blessing my home, but I don't really know. I've really just been doing what I see the other people around me in Mississippi doing because everybody says, oh, go to church. I believe in Jesus. He died on the cross for me. I have a Bible. My uncle's a preacher. I was baptized when I was seven. If you've just been going through the motions and you've never felt God's power in your life, if people look at you, And they can't tell you're a citizen of heaven. They think you're a citizen of the world. If you don't feel like you are a citizen of heaven, you don't feel like you have that power from heaven, you feel like you just have the weakness of the world. It says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, even to the ends of the earth. If that's you today and you say, I need the power of heaven not the weakness of the world. I would ask you to have the boldness in front of God and everybody here to stand up and we're going to pray for you to be filled with God's power. Father, I thank you for your children that chose to stand up right now, Lord. And I thank you that right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you baptize them in your Holy Spirit. I thank you that right now they feel the power of heaven entering them as the weight of this world drifts away, that they would no longer be concerned with worldly accolades or achievements 
or growing their businesses or growing their homes or growing themselves, Lord, but instead they focus on you and what you have for them and for growing your kingdom. I thank you that right now, Lord, they feel that power from heaven and they know that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them and that they are no longer bound by the weaknesses and the laws of the world, but instead they are lifted up in your strength. They're empowered by your spirit, Father God. And I thank you that every person in here right now, they feel your presence, especially these four people standing up, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are their God, that you are real, that you are present right now in their hearts, in their bodies, in their mind, in their spirit, Lord, in their homes. They would know that every single day they can be filled with your spirit, have the same power, the same peace, relaxation and joy and happiness and love that they're feeling in their hearts right now they would know that's not just a church thing that's not just because they're standing here in the sanctuary that's not just because i'm praying for them lord they would know that they can have a real relationship with you right now every day of their lives they can continue to seek you they can continue to walk in your boldness walk in your power father god i thank you for filling them completely with your spirit, and they feel the rivers of life flowing through their veins. We thank you for this, Father God. We thank you for strengthening them, for filling them up in the power of your spirit. If there's anybody in here today that you know you're saved, That's why you didn't stand up. You know you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why you didn't stand up. But right now, man, your body is under attack by the world. You know you're from heaven. You know that's your true home. But right now, this temporary residence that you're in, there's a lot of pain in it. If you need healing for your body right now, I just ask you to stand up and we're all going to pray for you. podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.